Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Six point five percent was it? Is is that what the current odds are of the Stanley Cup? Well, and you, if you look at the round by round progression, the Stanley Cup favorite is uh-huh. the Vancouver Canucks. Like what a time to be alive! I- Talking you through every goalie controversy, scoring slump, and draft lottery bust. This is the C Four Podcast on CanucksHockeyBlog.com. Here they are, the best starting lineup we could afford under the salary cap. Chris, Matt, Anna, and Adam. Welcome to another episode of the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I'm Chris at Lightforce, joining you from Germ Central (laughs) and virtually accompanied by the somewhat healthier than me, though I set a very low bar, (laughs) Anna Forsyth at A4Size03. Hey, Chris. Um, yeah, I am glad. Not that I don't love hanging out with you, but I am glad that we are remote from each other um, and not getting up close and personal in the hot box or the germ box um, where we used to record at the VPL. But yeah, like we were both a bit um, not great in the last episode. And I think we both got worse afterwards, but I seem to have turned mm-hmm. a corner once the weather turned a corner and i feel much better less snotty um you are not so good still i've turned a couple corners uh, (laughs) since we last recorded yeah exactly so i mean arguably based on all the different corners i've been turning i'm better uh where we were last week about the same so maybe that is upswing right like maybe Mm -hmm. maybe i am uh a heronic away from health you know oh was that a segue? <laughs> That's a good segue. I like, honestly, I didn't see that one coming, so I like it. Yeah, well, uh, you know, it's it's interesting. I was, I was sort of thinking what we talked about last week and how this week is nothing what we talked about whatsoever because um, if for some reason you did not know, the NHL trade deadline came and went in the Vancouver Canucks uh, management group. Uh, did not throw us a curveball. In fact, we didn't realize we were playing on an entirely different field of play than they were. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a 
forfeit or who gets the win in this point, but uh, it wasn't us. <laughs> it's so definitely we'll obviously not us. We'll recap what went down. Uh, we'll share our thoughts. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks continue to play regardless of what happened uh, on on Friday and the days uh, leading up to that uh, deadline. And uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see what else we can uh, squeeze into uh, the show. But uh, let's start uh, talking a little bit about uh, the week that was. So the Vancouver Canucks, when we last recorded, uh, they were finding themselves uh, a way to get a, a point and a half. Although I guess you could argue two points out of uh, Dallas. So, okay, point fair enough. Point and a half. They're giving away well, half I mean, points. No, I mean, I, I, it, it's, it's, it's a perspective issue, I right? Because there are many of those out there that who, who would see that as, as not a win, even though they got two points, which that's the problem. Winning isn't what they want. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of, I, I'm discounting the two points because there are people who are dissatisfied with that. Okay, fair. Okay. I see your logic. Now, Come Thursday, the Vancouver Canucks take on the Wild in in what is the last game before the deadline, at least uh, for Vancouver, and uh, find themselves losing uh, 2-1 in an affair that uh, honestly uh, wasn't all that exciting in, in nope. my mind. I mean, I was there. Canuck, <laughs> it was bad. Canucks, Canucks did what they could do uh, by spotting a, a, a lead to uh, Minnesota within a minute of the game uh, from, you know, Capra's off and uh, late in the period, uh, Brock uh, showcased himself to the yeah. you know team that so many people thought he was going to be going to, getting himself a power play marker, and uh, and then again early in the second, Capper's off scores, and that that was it. I mean, I'm not exactly sure uh, if anything else happened no. in the game. I uh, I kind of dozed off watching it. Yeah, I mean, I was there and standing up, so I didn't doze off, but like I was as close as that. Um, as possible. Um, yeah, I attended it with the Larshiders and got to hang out with my good friend Nadine. So that was good. Mm -hmm. Um, I drank some overpriced beer, but I found a place that's like $2 cheapest, like a different bar in the stadium. So, you know, like that's something, right? Um, but yeah, that's about it. Like, honestly, I think the best thing I can say from the Canucks perspective is like, it looks like Minnesota made hard work beating the Canucks, which they really shouldn't have. Minnesota made hard work beating the Canucks. Like they made it look like hard work. Oh, they made it look like hard work. Okay. I was like made hard work. Isn't it made work hard? No, I think this is a British ism here. Okay. God. It could be. I'm, We're just picking on I each other just today. Well, I'm not picking on you. I'm just, I'm, I'm a little bit off my game, maybe a lot off my game. And I was trying to work this way through because I thought that's, I mean, that's, that's ultimately what I thought you were saying, but then I was unclear and maybe thought you were telling me they, they didn't work hard and yet still won. Um, you know, speaking of working hard, Quinn Hughes did not get himself 30 minutes of ice time. I know. Only got 26, 23. Um, it's, it's unreal how like, I was going to say it's a chasm. Well, no, you know, the chaos draft got himself 23-16 out of necessity, but 26-23 of ice time um, is just unbelievable for your, at this point in time, only, you know, top line defenseman that you have. Yeah. 
essentially. I mean, and we'll get into the trades later, but like that trade piece is unavailable right now. So, um, yeah, there was, you know, some interesting stats coming out today about like the dominance of um, Patterson and Quinn Hughes when they play together. But what happens when they're not on the ice? Bad things. So Rick Tucker has taken that to heart and just laying Hughes into the ground, which I'm not sure is a smart idea at this point of the season. But, uh, you know, this brings us into Friday and, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about the deals and half full, half empty, but deals happened. Maybe not as many deals as we had hoped, but you know, sometimes, sometimes that's just the way things are. There were many teams who were wanting to make deals that didn't for a variety of reasons, but this takes us into the Stanley cup final on Saturday when the Toronto Maple Leafs came through town and, uh, you know, much like, you know, most teams from the East, when they show up in Vancouver on a weekend, uh, we get an early start, 4 p.m. puck drop. Um, I would like to point out, though, the other team from Ontario is here this upcoming Saturday. It is not a 4 p.m. Yeah. puck drop. Well, I was going to say that I think it used to be just the Leafs, but it does seem like these days it's the Leafs, the Habs, and the Bruins. Maybe even, I don't remember about when the Rangers came to town, what happened. Whether it was Saturday, I think or not. the Canadians might get yeah, yeah, start I, it. Yeah, yeah, I mentioned the weekend, Habs, right? but like, yeah, I don't think Sands are big enough. Maybe when they're bought by Ryan Reynolds and Co., they'll get a four PM start. But yeah. well, I mean, a little off the rails, but uh, today was the deadline for the first run of offers for the Senators. I didn't actually oh. hear if any offers were received, but um, from what I was reading. There is a group where Ryan Reynolds is involved. There's a handful of other groups that are expected to put in an offer. And any of the NHL who are like, well, we think Ryan Reynolds will be part of any winning group. Like, how does that work? He just, how, do, like, how, do you, how do you compel Ryan Reynolds to be involved? And maybe he wants to be great. How do you compel other groups to take him on as a, yeah. as a you know, minority owner at whatever percentage? Yeah. That's interesting. I don't know how like sports ownership works very clearly, but like I kind of would have thought that it has to be like a full and complete package that you pitch and yeah. accepted or not. But who knows? Regardless, I mean that trickle out over the course of uh, the coming months into the off season, and who knows. Uh, maybe before the two new expansion franchises are are talked about in uh, better detail. You hear that right? again off the rails, the two rumored expansion franchises. Yeah. Atlanta gets a third kick at the can. Atlanta. Hey, yeah. That's going to be the th- next third one. time's the charm. Yeah. That'll be fun. And then it was, was it Houston was the other one, I think <laughs> that, I mean, when I think about Houston and Houston as a market makes a lot of sense from a numbers perspective. I don't know hockey in Texas perspective. Yeah, I mean, but. they're supporting one team. Can they really support another? Florida tried that. Well, <laughs> when you think about like TV markets, I mean, Houston is a is a pretty solid market to to get local TV numbers out of. But you you know, you've, I, I'm not going to suggest hockey's any better in, in Kansas City, but I would like to think it probably fares a better chance than maybe a Houston. And there are other other pretty sizable U.S. markets as well. But hey, off the rails. Let's get back on the rails. Maple Leafs are in town for the Stanley Cup final. 
or at least as far as the Vancouver Canucks uh, concerned, or at least Rick Tockett has suggested, a playoff atmosphere reminded his team to treat this game as if it's a playoff game. Because let's be honest, at this point in time, it's the closest the Vancouver Canucks will get to the playoffs. Yeah. And uh, arguably, um, it felt like one. I mean, you had the the Leafs fans that to show up in droves, providing some atmosphere. And I found it interesting that the Vancouver Canucks in-house, you know, team knew that go Canucks, go chance would not work. Yeah. So they facilitated the Leafs suck chant. I know. In its I stead. was amazed that worked, honestly. Um, and, but, but like it, it, it works in this respect that you can't say Canucks suck because the syllables just don't allow for it. Cause there's two there, but Leafs yeah. suck does cause you know, it's one off the lease. So anyhow, um, the game itself felt like Toronto was playing with its food for the most part. Um, like, yeah, it did a bit to me. It seemed like a team that hasn't quite gelled with their various additions off, um, like from the trade deadline. Like, yeah, you just kept hearing players and go, oh yeah, right. They play for the Leafs now. Oh, okay. That yeah, that guy's on the lease now. So, uh, yeah. I mean, it was a good game. Like, oh yeah, no doubt. I'm not. I'm not knocking the 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 game itself. And it, at least as it got going, the opportunities were maybe trending Toronto over Vancouver. So if Vancouver got an opportunity, Toronto was likely getting two. Right. And you know, Thatcher Demko was leaned upon uh, to. You know, do what yeah, Thatcher Demko is expected to do yeah. in a Vancouver Canucks uniform. In fairness, though, it's not like Vancouver completely rolled over. Um, uh, was it Murray that was in net for Toronto? <laughs> I mean, he 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 made one save that, honest to goodness, I thought that the the Canuck had simply fanned on the shot. I think it was uh, was it De Giuseppe or Beauvillier uh, on what was like a two on one, and you know, Murray just got his leg over puck was off the ice, maybe not high enough. Um, so, you know, yeah, great. You know, Vancouver Canucks were trying. Deceppi got the, the, the breakaway that, uh, yeah. didn't amount to much. Yeah. But like, I would say, he just have had a great game. He's just like, his four check game is so good. He's just constantly hustling. And yeah, I also tweeted during the game about Sheldon Dries. Like, I wouldn't say like he had a spectacular game or anything, but every game he does something that reminds you why he's a good um, fourth line player. It's just because that drive for the puck, like he'll just, he's on one side of the ice and then he'll show up on the other side of the ice right next to the puck. So yeah, both of the, like the bottom of the lineup had a pretty good game. Of course, I missed the exciting part. And we also had an instigator, like an instigator being called in an NHL yeah. game is such a rare occurrence. It does need to be noted. Uh, you know, fight within a minute of the game. Uh, McCabe decides he wants to tussle with Tyler Myers. Um, the thing is, is that his desire to, t- t- you know, tussle was more him, less everyone else. Yeah. I honestly don't know what led into this because I was still sort of getting settled in. I, I wasn't feeling well, so I was having to turn the game on. And uh, it had happened. But uh, second period, uh, Vancouver Canucks on a, well, a power play that 
look dangerous. And lo and behold, uh, Quinn Hughes uh, slapper goes through, clips uh, uh, Pod Colson, uh, or well, was it Pod Colson that scored that? No, no, Kuzmenko. Yeah, Kuzmenko. sorry, different Russian. Yeah, Kuzmenko, and then uh, off. I can't remember what the Toronto defenseman's leg was, but uh, Canucks take a late lead going into the second intermission. Yeah, because Kuzmenko cannot be held down. Oh, gosh. I mean, kid just is having a season. And it's so hard to be mad at him, too. No, no. I I just hope that this continues. I know the stats suggest it won't. Nope. But uh, sometimes the stats are wrong, right? Math does not always tell the truth, math doesn't, doesn't it? Doesn't always math, you know. Yeah, sometimes math. Does, yeah, sometimes math doesn't math. Yeah. Um, when John DeFerris scored the goal um, early in the in the third on the, on the power play, I sort of felt at this point that the Canucks were done. You know, the way things are, Toronto's got the goal. Um, in fact, they sort of tilted the ice for a bit. Yeah. Um, the Canucks were were holding on and, uh, you know, was it uh, I mean, six and a half minutes in the third period? The Canucks are going down on the PK and I'm thinking, ah, it's all she wrote. So of the rails, what I had to do like at that moment Maybe a minute before, um, less than a minute before that Toronto power play was, I had to leave the house because um, I couldn't be late for dinner because it was a surprise dinner. Heaven forbid. Well, it was a surprise dinner for somebody. You can't be late to a surprise party. Like, otherwise, it's not really a surprise. Well, no, because you can surprise them by arriving late. They don't know you were going to be there. No, but it was like, literally, there's two of us. I get it. Yeah. It wouldn't have worked. So I like rebook like three Evos, leave it to the last possible moment. And I'm like, okay, now I have to get in this one. Um, I leave the house, literally get in the Evo. So less than two minutes. And <laughs> Canucks have scored two goals. Shorthanded. Oh, in the time it took to start the car, I was going to say, how was the AM reception? By that point, it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally walking to the car, which was around the corner from my house, and getting in. Two goals. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the, the first goal by, by PD uh, from JT. Uh, the PD-JT-PK is, is very effective. It's almost like the, the season that we saw Tortorella throw the Sedins out there, where you didn't really feel worried with the Sedins on the ice, but you definitely knew the team on the power play was concerned uh, should Daniel and Henrik get a step well yeah PD and JT get a step and <laughs> yeah PD buries that you know shorthanded goal Canucks got some energy you know you know PDG I don't think it even sat down yet because he was the one in the box he's you know I think obviously he's, you know, that's part stick tap the glass why I was praising his game because it was his <laughs> penalty that he took that inspired the short-handed goals yeah and uh you know a team gets a shorty that's a something to celebrate not a minute later but guess who's on the ice again uh you know trying to kill that penalty 
It's uh, Petey and JT. And this time, Petey returns the favor, dishes to JT who scores. The Vancouver Canucks have scored two shorthanded goals on the same penalty kill and now have a 3-1 lead. The place was just a rocking. Leafs fans were going full tilt. And at that point, Toronto seemed to be done. I mean, Neil Zellman scores, uh, you know, what, late in the third, I guess? Yeah, yeah. 13 minutes or whatever. Canucks are up 4-1. Toronto pulls their goalkeeper soon after. And then uh, this, I've, I've never actually seen this. Where Toronto pulls their goal goaltender uh, to get that extra amount on the ice, tries it for a spell, finds it's not all that effective, and with like two and a half minutes left in the period, decide, ah, we're down three. Let's put the goaltender back in. They changed. They put the goaltender back in on the fly. <laughs> They're taking the puck yeah. up the ice, and the goaltender swapping out for whoever the extra attacker was. I've never seen that before. I honestly don't know what I find funnier. Like either like when something like that happens or when like they pull the goalie um the team scores the leading team scores an empty netter and then they just don't put the goalie back in (laughs) i do find that very funny as well it's just like the goalie's like nah we lost already i'm not going back in Well, but the, I mean, it's it's not the goaltender's decision. No, you know, it it is the coach. But like the the change in the fly, and like you know, for someone listening, to this, like okay, like where the Canucks going up the ice, and Toronto, you know, you see this in lacrosse where the 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 goaltenders will leave on the fly to get an extra attacker, and when the play turns around, the goalkeeper comes flying back out. That's not what was happening here. Quite literally, Toronto's carrying the puck up the ice, and they're like, eh, didn't work out. And they make the swap goaltender. Murray goes back in the net and uh, they've just accepted that. Uh, they'll just finish the game. Yeah. You know, five on five. I mean, off the rails again, because I was at the Boston game sitting behind Arthur Seelovs for the last um, few minutes for the last period. And he was just watching Ray Tocket for the, the last like few good few minutes. And mm-hmm. Ray Tocket was just like, no, no. And like, Honestly, I know goalie goal, whatever, but like, right, talk it left it too late. Like, they weren't going to score, like, from that, even though Boston had time to score a goalie goal. Like, yeah. Um, so I will say, boo Rick Tockett. He does not have, like, yeah, you need to have a little more balls to pull goalies early, I think. Which, honestly, Bruce did pretty well. Um, but, yeah. It is kind of funny to see Toronto just give up on the game like that. I know they're like well, end of a road trip, whatever, tired, but come on. Well, it it's just like, uh, did they give up? I don't know. But if you were going to pull your goaltender, why put your goaltender back in? That's sort of my point. It's like, why pull your goaltender in the first place? I mean, it, tactical, maybe, sure. And, and you know... I'm thinking back and maybe some crazy stuff happened with like Mike Keenan um, yeah. in his day. Cause he'd pull goaltenders with like eight minutes left in a period. Cause Byron Mike did crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I like that. <laughs> it's insane, but I like it. I don't know of any situation where that happened and the goaltender went actually, they probably did. That's the thing is it, it, it was, there was so much crazy stuff that happened. Maybe it did. Maybe it's just, 
something that's fucking me. Uh, Quinn Hughes didn't play another 30 minute game, mana. He only played 29 16 this <laughs> go around. It's like Greg Tockett, it's just like if I break the 30 minute mark, like something bad will happen, a witch will curse us, but as long as we're under that, we're good. You know, now, in fairness, some of this is power play time, and so there is sort of imbalance because the way the Canucks play the power play, they got the four, four, fourth forward on the ice. But, I mean, when you look at the ice time, usually when you see a 30-minute defender, there's someone down there that's barely cracking double digits, and that's not the case. I mean, uh, Juleson and Willanen had themselves about 14 minutes. Uh, Burroughs and Breeze, uh, you know, 17, 18 minutes each. Myers is 23-49, and really the difference – the big difference here between him and Quinn is the ice time Quinn gets on the power play that Myers doesn't get. So yeah, I mean, what, he's was it Saturday where they played two defensemen on the power play? Oh, I don't know. I wasn't paying close enough attention. I, I'm pretty sure that um, happened. Um, and honestly, it's like very success because you got Quinn Hughes and then you got everyone else in terms of offensive yeah. defensemen. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, if I look back, I was just looking back on, on the Minnesota game and, uh, you know, very similar situation, um, the, what we saw against Lee's. And again, the difference between Hughes and Myers, it's, it's functionally power play time. I mean, it's more than that. Quinn's getting out in the ice in a greater number of situations, but, uh, but, uh, yeah, he, uh, this kid's going to uh, find himself, uh, being, uh, top minutes in a Vancouver Canucks uniform in, in no time flat. So, uh, where they stand right now? Well, last I saw, the Vancouver Canucks uh, had a two-one lead going into the intermission. Uh, does that remain to be the that case? That remains to be the case. Um, what we have missed is Sea um, Loves making an amazing save and JT Miller getting into a fight. Oh, so Jonathan Tonathan had to toss some Fs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Physical Fs. Um. Yeah, the Vancouver Canucks uh, are playing right now. We're recording an episode. I mean, it's in the old days, we would have either recorded the show before the puck dropped or we would have waited until well after the game. Mm -hmm. In the current state of the, the team, we're not as concerned about missing this particular game because in the grand scheme, what does it matter? The also, Vancouver they can't Canucks even tank, right? The they t can't even tank, well, right? So let's... Just we'll get into that in half full, half empty, because uh, it has been acknowledged the Vancouver Canucks are not making the playoffs this season. Uh, at least their managed group, group has said that, but they've also said a, a few other things. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll get into it in half yeah, full, half empty. Yeah, that's much said. Uh, looking ahead this week, they play the Ducks on, on Wednesday. The Ducks know how to tank. They got the Sens in town on Saturday, as we already talked about. The Sens are a weird team. Um, weird, you know. Yeah. They're they're not tanking, but are they like they don't know what they want to be doing either? So yeah, machine. They're kind of like the Canucks. Yeah, it's just that the Senators, I think, have like a metric ton of draft picks, if if memory serves me correct. Right. Um, actually, I'm going to go take a quick peek at that right now. Let's see. The Ascends have ah no, they do not have a metric ton of draft picks. In fact, this season uh, they don't have uh, picks in the first three rounds. Oh, okay. They've they've got three and seven. <laughs> so, hey. um, 
Yeah. So no, I stand corrected. Yeah. I thought they had, had collected a bunch, but apparently Now this not. is ringing a bell, but yeah, it took me a long time to get there. I think they're also going with the Canucks assumption that if you just stock up enough in the lower rounds, it's just somehow more lottery to pick tickets. It'll be all right. Yeah, seven round picks are always the ones you want the most of. <laughs> uh, lots of gold found there. Anyhow, we'll take ourselves a short break. You're listening to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and CanucksHockeyBlog.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Take hitting out of the game. You can't hit anymore, so don't do it. The unsportsmanlike conduct, I want to get an explanation on that. No kidding. Because how do you get suspended for unsportsmanlike conduct? Plus interference. There's no interference there. He had the puck. Now, Madison never, ever did that before. Now, why did he do it? That Because he was mad. Well, your early favorite for the Calder (laughs) Trophy, that's for sure. Elias Patterson, you might even say your early favorite for the Hart Trophy. (laughs) Just to get back to your question, Elias is going to play plenty. He's going to get a lot of power play time and... Yeah, I'm concerned about our offense. We lost 200-point players, and we've got to find a way to score. So when we we last recorded a show, the Vancouver Canucks had uh, made themselves uh, a deal. Uh, So the uh, Canucks had gone and uh, dished off uh, Riley Stillman in exchange for Josh Bloom. And then prior to that, uh, acquired Kraus off for, for William Lockwood. I mean, we, we had sort of talked about these deals and we were like, Hey, there is much more, uh, to happen here. Obviously the Luke Shen deal, we knew at some point in time it was going to occur. Um, the belief was that the Canucks could potentially be making a big splash, whether it was JT Miller, some thought about Thatcher Demko potentially. I mean, you and I had said like, who quite frankly is, is a player you don't give up. To us, Petey and Hughes, although I think I floated the idea that I'd at least entertain conversations because, hey, why not? I want to see the Canucks get picks. That sound familiar? Yeah, that's about sums it up, especially that last sentence there. That's kind of been our MO from day one of the season. Yep. So the following day, like I don't think I'd even published the episode yet when this deal got announced, but uh, it was official. The Toronto Maple Leafs had acquired Luke Shen in exchange for Toronto's uh, 2023 third round pick. I'm not upset at that. I mean, I think yeah, there were some out there second, that would have but... wanted a little bit more. Yeah, the second. And I mean, I had floated the idea that depending on how much the market wants a Luke Shen, could there be a way to elevate that second? And I talked with the, I think Clay on his live stream and saying, you know, there are some who look at like where that second might be as being a late round first. 
some people are like, you said late round first. I'm like, no, 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 no. Just where in the second round. Right. But hey, third round pick for Luke Shen. That's not a problem. Like what is Luke Shen to the Vancouver Canucks? A safety net for Quinn Hughes, a good player to have on the ice. But at the end of the day, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent at the end of the season. So if you can go and get something for him and hey, let's say you magically find a way to get Luke Shen back next year. Yeah. And that's pretty cool. As far as I understand it, he's, you know, okay. Like no hard feelings with how things shaked out. Cause we kind of said that too, that Canucks might find a way to mess it up and Luke Shen to really resent them. But yeah, I don't know if it'll be a priority for him to come back. He likes it a lot here, but it'll just depend on how situations work out. But like, this is the type of deal where you got something from an asset that may or not may be back in a Vancouver connection. Yeah. I mean, let's say the Canucks were to go and negotiate an extension before it's free agents. Okay, sure. I like Luke Shen. If you bring him back, the the money he was making, that's good money for a Luke Shen. But you know what? I'm, I'm happy because the Vancouver Canucks are showing me they know that getting draft picks to help utilize to, you know, whether you keep them or you put them together to to build, you know, bigger pick packages or what have you, you know, way to go. The problem was, is I went to bed and the next day when I woke up, the Vancouver Canucks had decided to go and uh, make a deal with Stevie Iserman. Now, if you did not hear Stevie Iserman talk uh, on uh, Friday, he made it very clear that under no circumstances were the Detroit Red Wings going to be buyers. This is a team that arguably is closer to being a, a playoff team than Vancouver in our mind. Yeah. In fact, what? where they are right now yeah. kind of has them pushing for the playoffs. But Stevie Wise like, no, dog, we're not good. I mean, they re-signed that one core piece of Dylan Larkin. Toughed out um, Tyler Bertuzzi, who, as much as he seems like a terrible human being, you know, he's a good hockey player. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The Detroit Red Wings, like, know where they're at. Like, yeah. So... You know, obviously the conversation if Stevie Y is not buying means the Canucks will have to be the quote-unquote buyer. And buy the Canucks bought. You know that first-round pick that we were kind of happy that the Vancouver Canucks acquired from the Islanders via the Bo Horvat trade? You know that pick we were like, wow, the Canucks could potentially have two in, in 23 um, and even not, though, that's an extra pick in 24 if for some reason... New York keeps this year. Oh man. Imagine the Vancouver Canucks with two first round picks and what they might be able to do with it. Yes. I understand they've done crazy things with two picks in the past. <laughs> they might do crazy things again, but my goodness, I'm excited by this. Well, they took that pick. They added this season's second round pick to it. Cause Hey, why, why have, you know, two first round picks potentially this season and a, a second round pick. I mean, picks aren't good for anything. I, I've been told, right? Are they? I don't know. And uh, they they take these picks, 
and they decide to go and use them to get themselves Philip Aronic, who arguably is a very good player. He's a right uh, defenseman. Um, he's 4.4 right now. Problem is she's going to be getting a raise in the near future. Yeah. Uh, and the Canucks then also got to the fourth round uh, from uh, 2023 from Detroit as well. So the Vancouver Canucks took two picks and acquired themselves a 4.4 contract for this season and next. Uh, and uh, decided to make it very well known that, hey, we're buyers. Now, I've been thinking about this. When I saw the deal, I'm like, what in the actual heck are the Canucks doing? They're taking everything that I thought that they had finally come to the light and realized. We need to be creative. We need to get rid of salary. Uh, we need to go and give ourselves so many picks that we can use to weaponize. Maybe we can throw them. Like, if they had taken those two and tossed in some, like, an OEL, I wouldn't have been happy. But guess yeah. what? Bye-bye OEL contract. Like, I'm looking at the Vancouver Canucks having this flexibility that this managed group, group has said they – they need, mm-hmm. and instead they take the picks and add four point four to the cap for this season. The next, and I keep saying this season next because this this kid is going to get paid. Like they were talking about it today on local radio, yeah. And how his contract will start at seven. You know, an AAV of seven on a on another blue liner. Well, uh, I hope the Canucks are creatively figuring out a way to fig- free up that seven that already have tied up in an OEL. Yeah. I mean, you literally can't without doing something with the OEL mess. But the craziest thing about this is this deal also makes the Vancouver Canucks, presuming no other contract movement happens, not cap compliant next season. They're over the cap. Now, how do they get under it? LTIR, buyouts, players being traded. But the thing about buyouts, players being traded, LTIR, they still have holes. That's not filling those holes. So what I mean by this is like the Vancouver Canucks solved a problem, the blue line, which you and I, I think on this show have said is a problem for three seasons now. Yeah. But still haven't sorted out all the other problems. So like, hey, great. You fixed one hole. You still got a bunch of others. Why bother fixing this one the way that you've gone and done it? Yeah. I mean, um, Daniel Wagner put it, like, pretty well when he said, you know, like, the Canucks are just interested in targeting under-25 players, and it's like, everyone in the draft is under-25 last time I checked. Like, Quinn Hughes no doubt needs a defensive partner, like, within the next few years, but, like, why not keep your first-round pick? pick up a potential defensive partner. Not to mention that Canucks look a whole lot less attractive to any college free agents who were, you know, eyeing up um, the defensive depth or lack thereof. Um, Yeah, it just seems like a crazy move to me. It's just the wrong time. It's the exact same thing as the JT Miller trade. Why? What JT Miller trade? (laughs) Because it did, there wasn't one. Well, no, that's what I mean. The first one that brought him to Vancouver was the mm, wrong okay. time. Like, yeah. he was exactly the right type of player who you should be investing in when you are within, 
your cup window. Oh, so you you didn't hear Patrick Alvin then tell us that, uh, yeah, we're not making the playoffs this season. We were just one Philip Aronic away. One Philip Aronic away from happiness? Like, you know, he, okay, they're, they're, in some respects, he's correct because Philip Aronic solves a blue line problem, right? He yeah. does. But what have the Canucks also given up this season? They gave up a Bo, Bo Horvat. The loss of Bo Horvat and the production he was providing early this season is a hole. Now you might say, "Oh, well, JT Miller's had an off season. He's gonna he'll make that up next year." Okay, sure. I mean, there's a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of like this needs to happen. Like the Vancouver Canucks are in a world of this needs to occur, this needs to occur, this needs to occur, this needs to occur. If this goes right, if that goes right, if that goes right, this team wins the cup. Great teams. They don't need if this and this and this and this and this all go right. Yeah, great teams are if this goes wrong, this ha- we've got a backup. If that goes wrong, we've got a backup. That's what great teams are. They're yeah. teams that go all the way down to the fourth line. They're teams that have more than one offensive defenseman. It, it just it, it it blew it blew the con- the. Minds of many. Now, there are some out there like, this is a good trade. He's a good player. He's a great defenseman. He's a top-line defenseman. The Canucks need those. And to your point, yeah, when they're ready. Yeah. Like, if this was a kid that you'd develop, if this was another Quinn Hughes where you'd sort of, you know, found this diamond in the rough, brought him up on a really, you know, team-friendly number, okay, sure. Because you're you're developing that talent from within. This cost the Vancouver Canucks the potential of finding that talent when they are probably in a window. Yeah. I. They also made some other deals. Curtis Lazar went to New Jersey for a fourth round pick and uh, the future considerations will be flowing when Wyatt clinic, uh, yeah. you know, decides to light it up whenever he does. And the New York Rangers is like, thank you here. Take well, three firsts. Well, yeah. Future considerations already went out the door. Cause Abbotsford got an um, ECHLR, I think for future considerations. So, Peace be mm. with you. Future considerations. Thank you for your service. Um, yeah. Just to go back slightly on the Philip Ronick trade. Um, shout out to friend of the show, Chris Faber, because he had a really good analogy last week on it, where he talked about a slingshot. And it's just like the amount Canucks have pulled back by like their retooling mm-hmm. and then they're just letting it go with those draft picks and that shot isn't going anywhere you know and stevie eisenman is just like no we're not close enough time to keep on that slingshot back i really like that because i was just like yeah it seemed like canucks were moving in the right direction they were pulling it back um yeah. and then it just seemed to be a waste yeah. Now, the deal that wasn't the JT Miller deal, there was a lot of smoke. There was a lot of conjecture that the, the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Vancouver Canucks had a deal conceived. Now, Patrick Oveen said there was never a deal. He was never provided an offer. But from what it sounds like is Pittsburgh was like, hey, we've got picks. We want this player. And for Pittsburgh, that player solved a problem because to them, they're, they're win now. Mm-hmm. The Vancouver Canucks, though, 
as we now know, did not view themselves as being in a rebuild. Uh, they were retooling. There's no way that you can take these picks and dress them because picks don't skate. And uh, as a result, tried to call other teams to say, hey, if you hypothetically were able to go and get this pick out of Pittsburgh, what would it be worth? You know, could we, you know, could it be that? And so yeah. facilitate, a, you know, some type of three-way trade or, three-way. or something along those lines. Yeah, don't pause between three-way and trade. Uh, well, <laughs> what can I say? It's the kind of show. Um, nothing ever came of that. Now, for those who are like, well, Patrick Alvin said there was never a deal. You know what? He's probably not wrong, nor is he, you know, in you know, he's not wrong in that regard. Pittsburgh hasn't said a whole lot about it, but the fact that there's a lot of smoke meant the other teams were talking. Hey, Vancouver is yeah. making phone calls. They're they're selling Pittsburgh picks here. Um just because a formal deal wasn't proposed, like doesn't mean like yeah, discussion wasn't there that Canucks would have flipped JTF. Yeah. The right deal was and you know, there was also some belief that if the Vancouver Canucks were to pull the trigger on a JT Miller deal, what does that say to other you know potential free agents? You sign a deal with Vancouver and off you go. Like, so why would you extend with them? I get that. I actually understand that, that sort of carries with it some weight, but then that also can be explained by we thought we were going to be in this place. We're nowhere near it. Right. And we we have to make drastic changes now. Like, I don't see a, a team like Vancouver doing this more than once. Right. And if they were to have done a deal like that, you, the amount of flexibility they're then provided to then sort of do the rebuild. The others are also saying, oh, you know, you got all these players that don't want to rebuild. I don't – if I was a player for the Vancouver Canucks, I wouldn't want the team to rebuild. Yeah. Like, we'd – like – you know, I, like Quinn Hughes I would be, say that. I'd be, yeah, I would be worried if a player said, yeah, I'm totally, I'm for the rebuild. This needs to happen. That's not what players say. No. Players want to win. And like players don't need to be concerned with that. That ain't their business. Yeah. Like, obviously you don't ever want players or coaches who don't want to win. That's not what rebuilding is. Like, all those dumb comments you get from GM saying, oh, we're never going to tell our players and coaches not to win. We don't like tanking. Blah, blah. And it's like, okay, that's not what tanking is. But um, yeah, I get that. Like a player would never even think of that. But at some point you have to do what's best for your organization. And I think the benefits that would have come from a JT Miller trade are just far outweigh any like negative optics really. Yeah. Regardless, though, JT is still a Vancouver Connect. Brock Besser is still around. I mean, the Connor Garland's still around. Uh, there, are, there are actually a number of players that are still around that I'm kind of like, huh, that's that's surprising. Now, that may be more related to the fact that there were deals out there with other teams that did not come to fruition because many teams were waiting on X to happen to pull the trigger on why when yeah. X didn't occur, why didn't, or alternatively, why was going to happen so long as I could move Zed. Yeah. 
but I couldn't move well, Zets, therefore yeah. I couldn't pull the trigger on Y. Like, well, there they, was a lot of these yeah, they, know, contingent deals. And lots of teams will have a hole to fill and, you know, one, two, three options to do it. And then yeah. option one comes off, they don't need option two. So, like, players like Brock Bassey, who might be, you know, may not be long for this team. Like, maybe he was one of those um, players and he just got passed over luck of the draw maybe in the off season yeah. something will happen well and, and that's sort of the next look is the off season because the vancouver canucks are in a situation where they have to free up cap i mean buyouts they can buy two players out they'll have the f- buyout flexibility um the two players that they currently have on uh the uh, the dead cap space because of buyouts braden holtby and jake for and they're both off the books at the end of the season so the Vancouver so Canucks can go and will not be the Canucks will not be paying a goalie not to play for them. Yeah, well, we'll see. At least uh, it won't be Braden Holtby. Um, I got that. They, no. they're not going to buy out a, a goaltender no, at this point unless they were to trade for a goaltender they intend on buying out. Um, the Bo Horvat retained salary is off the books at the end of the season, so this will be. This offseason will be the first time the Canucks have had, at, as we project, no dead cap, no Luongo retention, no buyout, no retained salary. I don't, I, I don't know what that's like. Yeah, I'm just like almost waiting for the other shoe to drop and something to happen and then taking on more dead cap. Uh, um, now... If we think of other areas like LTIR, Michael Furlan's salary is off the books. I mean, he's been LTIR for two seasons, so that's that's negated. Um, Ilya McKayef, though, he'll be back on the books at 475. Tanner Pearson, we don't know. Obviously, his situation is is a difficult one. Uh, Tucker Pullman in a tough spot. He's 2-5. Well, then, but Tucker Pullman and Travis Dummett skated last week. Hmm. And well, which is both is very concerning to me, purely from a player welfare point of view. But I'm not a doctor of any kind, so we'll no. see. Um, the Vancouver Canucks, though, uh, do have uh, other you know areas that they need to deal with. Obviously, uh, the blue line still remains a problem. Uh, I think Tyler Myers is likely a player who may find a dance partner. Uh, yeah, he's got a modified no trade, yeah. but uh, it's only 10 teams. There are teams out there that value what he provides. So, I mean, that's $6 million that could potentially get freed up. Right, and it's one year to, like, take a chance on that. Yeah. As far as buyouts, I think the, the biggest buyout target that the Vancouver Canucks have has to be OEL. Right. Um, now if they were to, to buy a moat, then, you know, the, the savings for the Vancouver Canucks, um, not going to be that significant. Yeah. It looks pretty unsavory <laughs> at least for the next year. So, I mean, the, in the, if he, they bought him out 23, 24, his cap hits only, um, $146,000. They save considerable amount of money. You then bank on big increases to the cap to cover the 2.3 and then the 4.7 subsequent. Yeah, exactly. And in the final four years at 2.1 of 
paying a player who wasn't going to play for you anymore. Ugh, it looks so bad. Right. So, you know, you've, you've got this, that situation there. Um, I, I honest to goodness, I, I, I think Connor Garland is a, there has to be a market for him. I mean, you might have to retain salary, but there's, there, I don't see there's buyout potential there. Brock Besser. I don't think you'd buy out Brock Besser. I think there's a market there and then anyone yeah. else, you know, you're, you, you look to deal. So, I mean, the Vancouver Canucks are going to have to make, make deals, but like when we, with these names, like Brock Besser gets traded or Connor Garland gets traded. These are holes you are in creating in your offense. Yeah. Right. Like, and you're not, you're not probably going to fill those holes with players at a significantly lower salary unless the likes of, you know, Hogland or Pod Coles and uh, Niels Allman take off next season. Right. And elevate their play to be a Connor Garland. And I mean, that's potentially possible, but I just don't, there's a, we're in the what if scenario. And if this happens and if this happens. How many times have we talked in the off season about the like what ifs and Canucks <laughs> Just like banking on those what ifs, and I, I, I think you said it right. Like the Vancouver Canucks um, will never succeed unless Aquilini goes, and I don't know how much ownership influences the desire uh, for playoff revenue. I mean, everything that I have heard is they want those playoff dollars. In fact, they need the playoff dollars. That means mediocrity like we have had a decade of mediocrity like i i actually tweeted out um um and i don't have the graphic all, uh, all that accessible now but i had gone through and i had done sort of the numbers like what were the number of po- points the vancouver canucks needed to make the playoffs uh since 2010 2011 and how many points did they have oh. and so you know, graphically speaking, it shows this playoff line and the Vancouver Canucks, they made, obviously they made the playoffs and then some in 2010, 2011, 2011, 12, they made the playoffs again. And then some lockout shortened season, they made the playoffs just, but again, comfortably considering there were fewer games, 13, 14, they missed. That's when Gillis gets fired, Torella gets fired. And then, uh, the, uh, Willie Desjardins era, the bump. That was mm-hmm. the last time the Vancouver Canucks made the playoffs in a regular, regular season. They have been under considerably 15, 16, 16, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19. Bubble, 1920. If that bubble doesn't occur, the Vancouver Canucks, as we've talked about on the show, they don't make the playoffs. And they likely are about the same way that they're considerably under 18, 19. We then see them drop again, another COVID shortened season in 2021 but considerably under and then 21, 22 where the Vancouver Canucks, they were under, but they were trending in a way that had us thinking that they were going to be a playoff team because there was no other alternative last year. Right. We were the C4 Canucks playoffs podcast, if you recall. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, so if we think about this, let's say this will be the end of 23. If we start at 13, how many years have the Vancouver Canucks been in the playoffs? They have been in the playoffs three out of a possible 10 years. Now, those three years that they make the playoffs, they squeak in in a lockout shortened. They get the Willie Desjardins bump in 14-15. They get the bubble in 1920. 
that's not a team that's an ironic away from the from like the Stanley Cup. Yeah, I mean, like the playoffs few and far between, and the success in the playoffs even further between, right? Like the bubble was their most successful playoffs, and none of that was at home. So sorry, I clearly no playoff um, income. The playoff, yeah. So the playoff income he saw was in fourteen fifteen. Unless he's thinking of like the 10, 11, the 11, 12 playoffs. Yeah. And Canucks got bounced in, in 12, 13. So not, they had two games. I think that was the four game sweep. Yeah. That was rough. Um, yeah. Like I don't understand. It's even the short term investment, the short term payoff at this point is just long gone. Like, yeah. Canucks are not, like, even close to putting together a strong team for a very short window. Just not even close. So, it's totally cutting off their nose to spite their face because, like, you know how you get playoff income? Is that you build a competitive team um, by like reinvesting in your team via draft picks via like yeah. sensible building and via young players. You create a window where some of your best players are on the most team friendly contracts you've got and you supplement those players with the, the win now, like so many people go back and they say, Mike Gillis traded away the future. Yeah, maybe he did. But what Mike Gillis was able to accomplish during his time as the the general manager was take a team in a window, maximize the value of the contracts that you had, which him and Lawrence Gilman did and then some. And if you were to say, no, they didn't, the NHL created rules in coming out of the lockout based on what they were doing. Yeah. Like that Luongo deal was legit. It was legal. And the NHL retroactively punished the team for taking advantage of a situation. That's how good they were at their jobs. Yeah. The league needed to go and punish them for being so good. I mean. And teach all the other teams a lesson. They were the best. That's the type of team. They were the best team in the league in 2011. Yeah. That's when you go into win now mode. And leading up to it, you had a lot of work from, from Burke. And I'd actually be willing to say, like, I, you know. What would Nonus have done if he had had more than a season? I don't know. But the Vancouver Canucks turned things around. They rebuilt. They built the team up. They had a window. They went for it. And like I I, I saw a clip of the John Torotorella press conference, his final presser where he's like, this, this team, this, the core needs to be blown up. This team is slow. It's old. That was when the button needed to be pushed. It's so bad that we're talking about John Tortorella speaking since. But, like, Tort's trying to tell us, Trevor Linden tried to tell us, like, mm, they just did not get listened to. Imagine if Trevor Linden was still on staff and we'd started the rebuild then. Oh, and you know, the Vancouver Canucks would probably be in the same spot that they are now, but they would have been trending upwards. We wouldn't have been talking about cap troubles. We wouldn't have been talking about 
bad deals. We're talking about an eight million anchors, eight million dollar per year player that's over thirty. Yeah, the the, the Vancouver can like this is and this is the thing is like teams like that start taking bad contracts to help make them better when their window opens. The Vancouver Canucks are in a position where they're getting taking on bad deals in the hope that that bad deal forces a window open. Yeah. Hmm. Frustrating. That said, there isn't all doom and gloom in the world of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that the, the Vancouver Canucks, uh, um, uh, had, uh, at least uh, this, this weekend, um, a showcase of uh, an indigenous night where they in, in in Jersey that was that was really well done by by Gino Ojek's cousin. Yeah, um, I thought it was but, a really nice touch that um, all the players skated out with Gino on their backs. Apart from Ethan Bear, mm-hmm. he skated out with his own name and represented himself, which was very cool. Um, and this upcoming Saturday is uh is the black girl hockey club uh and night uh when the sends uh, roll in the town and, and and what can you tell me about this anna well i don't know a whole lot about it but um you can jump on their twitter i think it's bghc underscore canada um so black girl hockey club is a non-profit that's been promoting um not just like um inclusion in hockey but just like all kinds of things they have um mentorships they sponsor some kids playing hockey which is amazing to see and now they finally expanded into canada um and yeah so it's really cool to see that they actually um they have a meetup going on at the sands game i would like if you're hearing it now jump on their twitter immediately i don't know if they still have tickets left um but yeah, check out their link tree on their Twitter. And if you can't get tickets, um, but you are interested in being involved, like definitely DM them, DM. Um, yeah, like DM their Twitter, DM Renee Hess or one of their other like senior um, people. Um, they're doing awesome work. I've been to a couple of their online workshops during the pandemic and they're really cool. Um, yeah, take the Get Uncomfortable pledge. Um, do everything you can to learn about what they're doing in hockey and see if you can be part of it. Yeah. The uh, Blacker Hockey Club, is, as you had mentioned, has made the jump up north here. Um, but one of the things that we've seen them involved with is the Seattle Kraken or vice versa. I mean, the Seattle Kraken have been progressive since day one. They've been looking at elevating, you know, voices and fan groups within um, underrepresented spaces, yeah. you know, from, from the get go. And I do want to applaud the Vancouver Canucks for looking at how they can potentially do something similar. I mean, for as much as crap as you and I provide the organization, yeah, they are starting to find ways to become more progressive in their own right. Yeah. There are many areas they th- I think they need to improve upon in that same space. Yeah. But I, I am not going to go in and, uh, you know, talk poorly of, of them when they are partnering with, you know, black girl hockey club here in Canada. 
Yeah, I think they're doing good things. Um, they're getting better and better with indigenous awareness and indigenous partnerships. And yeah, hopefully that continues to improve. I mean, I love for them to not have the anthems during indigenous night. To me, that would seem like a very basic step at reconciliation. But um, yeah. I think overall they are doing the right things and hopefully that keeps going. And not to let the Canucks off the hook here, but that type of decision may be above the Vancouver Canucks. I'm sure it is, but that's what the NHL needs to allow that. Or they need to just get into trouble. What would happen if they just didn't do it? Like the Dallas Mavericks stopped doing it for Yeah, Mark, Mark Cuban... And they did it for a while until, you know, the news caught on and then the league got involved. So you're right. Maybe, maybe the Vancouver Canucks simply just do that and see what happens. But I I think. They would never, but that is. No, but if, if, if let's say they did. Yeah. It would become, it would, it would become a, a, a political issue overnight. And. Yeah. I mean, I agree. But sports is political. Yeah, I, I don't think the conversation is then constructive at that point. I actually you're, you're think the NHL right. mandates it. Yeah, you're probably right. Um, I do think, though, that is something that NHL needs to do. Like, that's a, st- a step in inclusion. I think it shows a serious, like, oversight in terms of um, Indigenous engagement. Um, yeah. But again, but, you and I are both on the we don't need anthems in yeah. regional sports, so... Yes, I agree. No anthems at all, but definitely not. Just a night. Yeah. But yeah, um, as you say, overall, I do think it's moving in the right direction um, in Vancouver, not as a whole, because we're still seeing, you know, Pride Nights disappearing. We're still seeing all kinds of ignorant um, things happening. Um, yeah, on the ice and off, so... Um, you've got to just control what you can control, I guess. So hopefully Canucks continue to, uh, make positive moves. Yeah. So here we are, end of a show, just over an hour. Canucks are still winning 2-1 last I checked. Uh, let me do a quick refresh here. Are they still winning? I believe so. Oh, look at that. The tank is being derailed. I mean, they're literally playing, I think... That was Brandon Aslow who pointed us out. Like eight of the team, eight of the starting lineup have played for Abbotsford this season. Six of them have played more than twenty-five games. So to be fair, the lineup is Team Tank, but Pedersen, Kuzmenko. They don't want to lose. No. I mean at this point in time the Canucks are just playing with their own picks, so True. But, what can you do? Yeah. God, I really hope that I, now I'm like, I really hope the Islanders make the playoffs and do well for Bo and now for the pick that we gave away. Because Detroit, so Detroit can have a late first round pick that, you know, their history suggests they don't know what to do with. Hey. Detroit and, you know, late round picks never turn out, do they? But at least we won't be ruining the day because Canucks wouldn't know what to do with it. Sure. 
But uh, as we do with the, uh, the end of every show, we talk a little bit about how you can get involved. And one of the best ways you can get involved is to join our Discord, take part in the conversation. C4 Discord, or at least Gate 16, is where we chat about everything and anything related to the Canucks. Discord.io slash C4 Podcast is where you want to go there. We're obviously on social media at the C4 Podcast, uh, where you can reach out to us. Uh, more often or not, you get to engage with Anna. Every so often, you might get to engage with me. You just never know quite who, so just assume it's Anna. <laughs> yeah, it's probably going to be me, especially if it's sassy. Um, you can also leave us, obviously, a voicemail. Not, uh, not doesn't happen. I keep begging. I was actually thinking we should start begging at the start of a show for voicemail. It's true. And we maybe, need to mention it at the top. You know, maybe people will know that they can go to speakpipe.com slash C4 podcast to leave us a message and then be included in an upcoming show. And then uh, if you care to support us financially, you can head to support.c4podcast.com where it'll forward you off to buy me a coffee or as you and I would prefer to call it, buy me a pint. Uh, You can either elect to toss a few bucks our way as a one-off or alternatively, you can sign up and support us on a monthly basis. And in doing so, it helps us keep the lights on. I've said this before. I'll say this again. All of the ads you hear during our show are not us. We get absolutely nothing from it. No. Um, if, and so, so if they're terrible, don't know, blame us. Yeah, and there's no money that's coming our way to keep our lights on. It quite literally is either coming out of my pocket or for those of you who do support us financially through, you know, buy me a coffee, yours and your generosity is is what allows us to continue what we're doing. Um, but uh, hey, you know, the show's not going anywhere. It's not to suggest that uh, we've reached that point where we'd have to pull the plug, but uh, any extra money you can send our way allows us to do some really, you know, neat things and, and get more creative and and how we approach it. But what final uh, words of wisdom do you have for uh, us uh, this week there, Anna? Um, I'm having a snotty moment. So apologies to Chris who has to see this. That was not a naughty moment. It was a snotty moment. A snotty moment. So I was feeling, as I said at the top of the show, so much better. But I think talking for an hour straight has sort of made my nose run. I think it just kind of gets a bit dry up there. Anyway, sorry about that. It, um, it had nothing to do with the Dakota Johnson, Joshua goal that put the Vancouver Canucks 3-1. I was about to mention it. Yep. Dakota Joshua, even. Even that guy scores. Well, there. I mean, Dakota Joshua, you know, Philip Deshevsky. These are players that I think are really embracing the the talk it system. Yeah. Um, and in, in credit to them, like you know, they're getting the opportunity um, just the same. So it's uh, what happens when you get a new coach. Yeah, you get a bounce, and it's going to be the bottom six people playing to impress, right? Um, exactly. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> Whatever. Anywho, it is what it is. Same Speaking path. of which, you've been listening to the C4 Canucks Hockey Podcast, brought to you by the Full Press Coverage Network and Canucks Hockey Blog. Oh, uh, I am Chris at Lightforce. She is Anna Forsyth at A4603. And by the way, we out.